Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD Innovation. So this is Dr. Greg Goodman from The Modern MD. I'm really excited today. We've got Dr. Brad Pruitt, who's a physician executive with expertise in digital health, medical device, pharma, and contract research companies. Brad is the chief medical officer and chairman of Enprove, a healthcare IT company enabling a new era of predictive modeling for clinical trials for patient matching and recruitment. Brad is also a principal and management consultant and specializes in disruptive healthcare technologies and a lecturer at Rady School of Management. So Brad, welcome to the Modern MD. We're really excited to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Glad to, uh, glad to be on your show. So Brad, tell us a little bit about you personally and your journey as a physician entrepreneur. I went into medical school very much so with a business mind. That, that's where things started differently for me, I could tell from day one in medical schools, where looking at actually med school as a invest, more of an investment than anything else uh, into my future, I don't think many other folks in the medical class had that same type of mentality. You know, I, I really wanted to be able to contribute to uh, to society, to be able to be able to touch as many patients as I could. And I realized through the process of medical school that the best way for me to do that was actually through the business side. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit more about that transition? So you so you went in initially knowing that you wanted to do business. That's definitely, to your point, probably a very different mindset. So other than wanting to make an impact on a, on a larger scale, did you always see it as an investment opportunity or did you have any interest in practicing? There was definitely interest in practice. Uh, I love medicine. I originally had the, the mindset of, uh, I'm from, from Michigan, but grew up in San Diego. So uh, with the weather and, and environment in San Diego, I wanted to be able to return to San Diego after medical school and was looking at initially having an Eastern and Western type uh, combo clinics and primary practice and, and so forth, and was very much interested in the business side of getting that whole whole practice started, being able to combine Eastern and Western medicine. That's really where going in as a, looking at it as a business opportunity. Um, I will say along the way, I did get uh, very much interested in the other aspects of medicine. Surgery is really where I ended up getting drawn to on the general surgery path, and then Along the way, also involved with a uh, significant other. She was in the uh, clinical trials world. And that is basically during medical school is where I was really had my eyes opened up to the whole clinical trials industry in general. I realized all of the different opportunities that were available for physicians as well in heaven. The non-clinical realm in the clinical trials world very much opened up my eyes to a whole other different aspect of medicine. Basically, I ended up getting an offer from a, a CEO for a CRO to go work, uh, do business development down in, um, in Brazil. That happened during my senior year of, of medical school. Basically, my January was off for interviews. I had a bunch of general surgery interviews in January. And, and this was back in, I uh, graduated in 2007. So this was December 2006. Uh, I had a rotation at the Golden Egg uh, residency program that I wanted to go to a sub-internship. And after that month, I realized that the, the residents were dying to get out. They did not 
want to continue the program. They wanted to jump ship. I had some third and fourth year residents that basically after I told them about the opportunity that I had in Brazil, they basically said, how do I, how do I, can you send me a, a lifeboat and get me out of here? I don't want to do what I do. And that was a huge, huge turning point for me. Going in, obviously, as a medical student, you're looking for someone that you want to become and emulate one day and, and be that happy, successful doctor. Uh, quite a few successful doctors. I did not see very many happy doctors, especially in surgery. And uh, it's a very just, you know, toxic environment in, in most uh, operating rooms and in the hospital in general with the attitudes and hierarchy and, and so forth. So having this opportunity basically put on my plate as a senior in medical school, I ended up signing a contract before January started to start work that following July, finished medical school and a contract to start work in Brazil the same day most of my friends would be starting residency somewhere. And that was my, my turning point, really, I would say, is that pinnacle moment of having that opportunity right at the same, within a matter of days, finishing that sub-internship and having that opportunity show up on my doorstep within literally the same, a couple of days, period. It was just too much of time for me that this is an opportunity I couldn't pass up. What an incredible story. And, and I think there are so many, I would say, medical students that are kind of on this you know, pathway and, and never really look at some of the other opportunities. And if you're not going to be happy doing something, you want to find what you, what you truly love. And I love the fact that you went out and, and were willing and open to think about and see some different opportunities. And I'm sure it was an incredible opportunity to go out in Brazil. So we like to start the show off at the Modern MD with a success quote. Do you have a quote that you live by or something important to you? I have a quote from, from Calvin Coolidge that uh, I go back to quite often. And, and uh, so I'll just, I'll just read this quote. Nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than successful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. That's Calvin Coolidge. I like that in many aspects. I, I definitely believe that persistence is, you know, dedication are, are things that you have to have for success. I love it. Couldn't agree more. I, I think oftentimes when you get kind of get knocked down or you're, or you're not that, you know, excited about something, it's it's those additional few steps that often separate. I think the the truly great human beings and and those that achieve a lot of a lot of success. So. I know you discussed this and, and we're going to transition into what I'm terming the white coat to business suit. You took a bold move. It sounds like you didn't go to residency and, and went right out and, and went into Brazil and, and, and went into the business world. Can you talk a little bit about that initial transition going out and, and your work and what you learned? Sure. You know, as I said before, that transition period really happened for me that December period in my senior year of medical school. And having that opportunity to go uh, work for a CRO down in Brazil uh, and, and kind of to emphasize the flexibility in that industry. You know, she was home-based in, in Michigan where I was going to medical school at Michigan State in Grand Rapids, and I was going to be working in southern Brazil. And, uh, you know, she, with her position, was able to stay within the same company and actually report to their Sao Paulo office. So we actually went to Brazil together, both working in the uh, CRO, both CROs that we worked for were working together. It was this amazing opportunity 
to see all of the different you know, experiences just outside of the U.S. and the different healthcare systems, especially how different it is in Brazil, given that they do have the universal healthcare and the private healthcare system, opened my eyes tremendously. And then getting into the clinical trials world, it was really that I was on the business side, doing business development and forecasting, and I really realized that, that running operations in Brazil, I did not have as much business. Uh, I did not have the business acumen that I needed. And I can say that, and I realized that that I needed. I had the stamp of the MD, but I did not have anything more than a few economic classes going through college to support the business side. So really seeing what type of needs there were, kind of to fine tune that business acumen. After my work in Brazil, I uh, returned to San Diego and went to business school at uh, UCSD at the Rady School of Management. And when I came back to San Diego, I also started doing consulting work for other startup companies. I will say upon my return, I had a, a, a bunch of ideas in my head in regards to mobile health. And this was right around the 2000, late 2008-2009 period, right when the, the iPad came out. And while I was in business school, um, the amount of different business concepts and ideas that were uh, circling around the, the iPad and mobile health were just uh, amazing. And so, you know, my interest landed in, in the mobile health, both on the healthcare side, being able to really have the physician who is touching the patient, whether that be in a, a mobile concierge medical group type setting, or, or whether that be in an ICU setting where the doc is at home and able to still see the, the patient's vitals uh, in real time on, on the mobile device. And as well in, in access to clinical trials, the ability of using mobile devices and so forth to be able to, as an engagement awareness tool, helping patients be able to share using the, the connected internet and being able to have social media help people share different medical opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise know of through friends and family. So that that's really where the focus that I have now is upon really using that connected world through the mobile devices, both for the physicians and for the patients to both, both be uh, truly aware of different medical opportunities, and, and also to be able to share those opportunities amongst uh, their, their network. Really cool. Thanks for going in and, and doing a little bit of a deeper dive there. So one of the questions that you probably get asked a lot, do you think there is a value to doing clinical medicine, and would that improve your ability to add value maybe on the business end or on a larger scale, and has that been a problem for you at all? Is there uh, the traditional philosophy was when I asked uh, all the deans at Michigan State, you know, what, what should I do? You know, they all just said, go get board certified. They, they didn't even say in what, they just said, go get board certified. And I didn't really feel like spending three, I'll say five years because I was looking at a surgical residency, not a primary care. You know, I was not really up for spending five years of my life at 100 hours plus a week for $40,000 to turn around and not do something that needed that board certification. So it didn't really make sense to me to do that. So I went ahead and, and the foregoing uh, residency jumped right into it and went right into business. I do have some other colleagues that I know that they have either done a transitional year or they have done a few years of residency and then pulled out or maybe they finished residency pulled out of the uh, business or pulled out of the clinical side. There are a few different opportunities that, uh, so there are quite a few opportunities where, you know, chief medical officer uh, and things like that, where you definitely need to have that medical license, that active medical license, but there are a lot of other opportunities where you do not. Although there, there has been a few uh, opportunities that have been limited due to me not having an active medical license. 
So I would say when going through, I would probably do the one uh, trans- one year of residency, the internship year, get that GP, at least get a general practitioner. So then you can moonlight and you know work in a, a ER or a doc in the box or something like that if you need to uh, cover calls or something like that. And just to have that as kind of a backup, and then you can actually have your active medical license, keep that keep that active for other opportunities such as medical director, chief op medical officer opportunities. If you don't want to do anything that's patient directly touching the patient with patient care, working in the health IT realm and, and so forth, it has definitely not been a, a limitation. But when you get in some of the, the clinical transformation work that I've done, getting in working deep dives with, you know, the chief cardiology uh, directors of cardiology and, and the folks in the hospital, there has been a few times where, where I wish I had a little more true on-the-job experience in the hospital training and, and actually working, not just as a medical student, but actually working as the resident or, or the doctor. But I, I think in, in the end, uh, I love the combination that I have, and I think that it's a trade-off. And there would have, you know, there's an opportunity cost you have to look at. If I would have taken those extra three years or five years, I did a primary care board certification, did three, three extra years, that three extra years, given how fast digital health is, is growing, I mean, think if you jumped in in 2009 versus 2012 or 2008 versus 2011, you know, before the iPad came out and three years later, there's just a huge, there's a huge gap. If you had some opportunities and businesses that could have been started two years ago, that's a long, a long time in the business world. There are some really, really great points. There aren't that many people that jump off directly. I, I give you a tremendous amount of credit to look, kind of follow your passion and figure out what you thought was most valuable to your path. But uh, I think if you want to play in, in the space, you've got to go out. You've got to be an entrepreneur. you got to just go out and do it. And, and I really respect that. I want to transition to the idea to venture. And I would love for you to share kind of something that you're working on called Enprove and, and what's your big vision and where are you today? Yeah, sure. Enprove, the name comes from the N uh, in clinical trials. This is obviously your, your sample size. So we like to say that we improve your N is where the name comes from. Specifically looking at patient recruitment, patient engagement in the clinical trials awareness and enrollment sector. So we have a platform that we've built that basically is where the concept came from is basically if you would take a dating website, say match.com and and match that with something as, as socially easily shared as a Pinterest, what would that look like in the clinical trials world and to be able to help patients enroll and, and be able to share clinical trial opportunities and have it all done in a very, very patient-friendly manner, very nice user interface so that, again, that sharing and the recommendations can all be there. That's really what we built uh, for clinical trial recruitment is improved. So we have an online solution that functions as a match.com of clinical trials, as we like to say. And then we also have a in-clinic solution that is a tablet-based um, solution that helps with the recruitment workflow at the clinic, and that works as a companion with our online site to help drive uh, patients directly to the clinic, which there's obviously, as um, those in the, in the industry know, there's a huge drop-off between the patients who actually you know, find a, a clinical trial online or actually do become aware of one and then be able to find a clinic and a uh, physician investigator that's hosting that trial uh, there's a lot of disconnect there and patients you know, end up not making it to enroll in, in, the, in the trial or getting screened. So that's been our focus and that's been proved. That's awesome. That's really cool. I, I love it. The match of clinical trials. So 
Starting a business is hard. There's a lot of probably things that people don't expect. Things take a lot longer. Would you be open and willing to maybe share a failure or you know a time where you had to pivot or change your thinking to kind of start the company? There's been uh, many of, of both successes and failures along the way. So I try to figure out which one to explain and describe. So I think the biggest, you know, one of the biggest hurdles for, for most startups, especially going through as a first-time entrepreneur is, you are a first-time entrepreneur. You don't have a track record. You know, I, I don't have three successful exits behind me to go off of. So, so that has uh, been a little bit of a difficulty going through. I will say also, interestingly enough, there is a lot of folks, given that there's an MD founder and that, uh, you know, they're, they're interested to see how much of a business acumen that the MD has. It's interesting how, how people will look at an MD who's, who's running a company. So I don't know if you've actually run into any of those uh, on your own path or not, but uh, having the, uh, actually having a CEO as the kind of public face, it gives the people and the investors someone to kind of vent to and say, oh, great, uh, let the, let the doctor be the, the founder and behind the scenes. And uh, let the CEO be the public face, which which has worked really well for us. It's worked really well. I think there there are some connotations about you know physicians not being great businessmen, and I think there are you know physicians that can play both roles, and you know that's one of the big inspirations I think around this is that physicians should be leading the charge. I think we have an understanding of the clinical needs, the clinical problems, and if you match that and are able to translate. You know that understanding and skill set, you can add a you know huge value and and make an impact. So excited to hear your your story. I know you touched on on maybe some of the challenges. Have you had any success lessons or you know things that you want to share from the trenches? Uh, some of the, the you know some of the successes have come just through different types of innovation. I mean, one one that we've really found is just it, it, and the way that we we've learned how to do our pricing, getting into talking with the customers. And figuring out how uh, specifically some things are doing with just uh, different ways of invoicing have really made a difference being able to get in the door and how sales go through. You know, some things that you don't really think about, you think about, oh, the technology and all of these other things. And then once you get into it, there's something as simple as figuring out the best way to be able to charge so that they uh, it, it helps out the practices the best. That was actually a huge success for us. Getting involved, uh, I, I, everything kind of circles around for me is working with the customer. And the, the first you dive uh, deeper into it with your customers, the more you learn. And you know, whether that is, is pushing the product further, different ways that it gets used that you just don't it, you didn't envision or think about, but that's how the customer's going to use it. And it's a good way, it's a good use case, or, or different ways of other, like I say, something as simple as pricing. Very interesting where the successes will come from, I think. Uh, they're, they're not. Not just from technology by any means or or where uh, you expect them to come from. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. I wish you all the best on this exciting journey. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. So I want to shift to our last section, which is not our typical hospital rounds. These are business rounds. So you can put your NBA hat on. The first question I want to ask you is what's the best advice you've ever been given? You know, I would love to be able to say uh, follow your passion, but I think that I, you know, I, I think the advice actually it comes from the Collins book, uh, Good to Great, where looking at that he calls the uh, I think he calls it the uh, hedgehog diagram, where you where you basically have to find the intersection of the three things that is something that you're extremely successful at, you're better than other people, you enjoy it, and and it makes money. 
And I think if you can find those three things, your passion is obviously it, it, it got to be involved in, in, in that diagram. But if you find those, that intersection of those three things and, and go towards that as your success target, I think you're on a good path. I love it. That's awesome. A lot of these successful physician entrepreneurs have what I'm terming a daily success habit or morning routine. Do you have a morning routine or daily success habit that you think you can attribute to your success? I, I like to say my success is I, I have a, from a professor early on, um, a biomechanics professor I worked with, he was very adamant about blocking time for personal time every day for whether that he was into yoga and meditation. So he did that. And whether that be in his, in his office in the university or getting out somewhere, basically having a block period of time to go release, be away from work no matter what. He was, you know, uh, one of the PhDs running a lab that literally if your computer was on at 4.32 and, and happy hour was 4.30, he would come in and shut your computer and say, no, it's, it's time to, you know, you're having a beer right now. It's not time for work. So anyway, from that, I basically, I, I personally just have a, a block of time that I have that I usually have as my yoga time, but that's either a run or yoga or some time that I can go and just get away. And I definitely find that the, the more the workload piles up and the more the travel piles up, the more the, that becomes so much more important to maintain and not let that slip, just keeping your own personal uh, you know, sleep hygiene and your own personal hygiene and personal time. Keep yourself healthy. I think the name of the game is sustainable. I think if you can find something that you know does that, allows you to release, it's sustainable, it's something you can do every day and gets you into that good pattern that you need, you need to do that for your own personal health. I think that is great. And I think it is important to take some time for yourself every day as a lot of people are working and grinding pretty hard. So really great. You know, healthcare is at a really exciting time. There's a lot of trends. You've touched on a few of them, but what are some of the exciting healthcare trends that you're following that you think are important Wow, I mean, there's so many from, from all the personal health, availability of all the health trackers and everything like that. It's just over um, abundance of data. I, I think being able to find the importance, as they say, find the knowledge within the data. So find, find the pieces that are really important, that are meaningful, and, and focus on that. You know, looking at, looking at something that is tangible and, and that can make a difference. And I go back with the you know, you look at medicine and say, you know, well, if I did know this, would it change my opinion and would it change my uh, treatment options or, or not? And, you know, if it's something that is just collecting data and is work for work's sake and it's not going to make a difference in the end, I, I don't find that stuff uh, very important to me. A lot of the other types of, of data with the real, real-time analytics and being able to have that you know, right data at the right time and the right person and having the access to that, both the physicians and the patients, I think that is, that's, that's golden to be able to have that intelligent data right where it's needed. And that's basically where I, I focus my attention and, and track both of those type of technologies and companies. That's awesome. So Dr. Brad Pruitt, thank you so much for joining us on The Modern MD. It was an honor having you. You're on a really exciting path. And thanks again for being on the show. Thank you, Dr. Goodman. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.